recent weeks, Democrats in Congress have been trying to pass a multi-trillion dollar spending bill. And inside that bill is a major piece of President Joe Biden's climate agenda. If the bill is passed, it would mark a significant milestone in the U.S.'s fight against climate change. This climate plan could transform the U.S. economy by pushing power companies to produce more clean electricity. And our colleague Siobhan Hughes says this program could ripple out to other industries. This is the basis of everything. What we're talking about, basically, is electrification of the economy. So the utilities are the cornerstone. How ambitious is this idea compared to other ideas that have been proposed to take on climate change? This is a very, very significant idea. Turning now to Capitol Hill. The most significant climate legislation to come out of Congress yet. The most sweeping climate measure in the bill, aiming to significantly reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Almost every Democrat in the Senate supports this plan, except one. And because of the opposition of this single lawmaker, the most important piece of Biden's climate agenda has been declared officially dead. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, October 25th. Coming up on the show, how Democrats tried and ultimately failed to unite behind the most ambitious climate legislation in decades. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. President Joe Biden has set a very ambitious goal for the U.S. to fight climate change. He's aiming for net zero emissions in the power sector by 2035. That means that in just 14 years, almost all our electricity would have to come from renewable sources. Democrats want to transform the economy. Electric vehicles, charging stations ubiquitous everywhere, turning to, for example, electric stoves and electric heaters, getting rid of all of your gas-fired equipment. Each of these makes inroads to decreasing the amount of carbon dioxide or other emissions that get spewed out into the atmosphere. But those measures won't matter much if power companies are still producing electricity from fossil fuels like coal. So Joe Biden has set an aggressive interim target focused on the utility sector. And what is the point of that particular target? So the electricity sector is the second largest source of carbon emissions in the United States after transportation. So going after that problem tackles one of the biggest problems. The other thing is that the power sector is where the very fastest and cheapest emissions reductions lie. And so if he's going to reach his goal and do it with some haste because speed here is important, that is the appropriate target. To hit this target, Biden and Democratic lawmakers came up with a bunch of proposals to pump money into green programs. A big one includes relying on tax credits 
basically in which the government would pay companies to build solar facilities, pay companies to build wind farms, pay companies to produce renewable energy, other kind of schemes to just basically make it more attractive and more appealing to rely on renewable energy. And the biggest and most important part of this climate plan is something Democrats have called the Clean Electricity Performance Program. So the Clean Electricity Performance Program has been through multiple iterations, but what it does in its current form would be to provide grants to utilities that increase the amount of clean electricity they use by at least 4% a year and penalize utilities that do not meet that standard. And in the version approved by a House committee, Congress would allocate $150 billion for those grants. And the important thing about this program is it's got penalties. If companies don't become 4% greener every year, they'll have to pay a fee based on how far off they are from their targets. It's a carrot and it's a stick. That's the model. And the stick is the thing that you need if you want to rapidly reduce emissions, which is what climate experts say is going to be necessary. In other words, you can't reduce emissions at anywhere the pace you need unless you can induce existing coal and gas-fired power plants to close. You can't just build new ones. You have to close the existing ones. And then I suppose it also has knock-on effects because if you can get the utility companies to be more green, then the electricity that they're providing for the increasing number of battery-powered objects and vehicles that we rely on, they will also be more green. Yes, exactly. By one estimate, over the next 10 years, this program could cut carbon emissions from the power sector by 80% and create thousands of new jobs in building wind and solar farms, power transmission lines, and more. Once this has been proposed, who supports it? So the progressive community supports this enormously. It's championed by Bernie Sanders. It's championed by the Congressional Progressive Caucus, which has about 100 different House members. The environmental community loves it. A senator named Tina Smith from Minnesota, who considers this her baby, emerges as a strong voice for it. It's embraced by really, at least on the Senate side, the entire Senate Democratic caucus. Almost. Almost. Out of 50 Democrats in the Senate, 49 backed this plan. But there was one critical holdout. Senator Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin comes from West Virginia, which is a state that has a lot of coal and it has a lot of gas. It's got a population of people who really enjoy blue-collar labor. And what he sees is that they're going to be thrown out of work, and he doesn't really see what jobs are going to replace their livelihoods. The electricity plan would cut the knees out from under the two big industries in his state, coal and gas. And he has some communities that are nearly entirely dependent on coal. And so it's not just that it eliminates jobs, it wipes out entire communities. You know, it's a very emotional issue for him. He um, at times has likened the workers in his state to the returning Vietnam veterans who got spit on. He basically said, look, our workers powered your country for years and now you're doing nothing for them. It's also worth noting we should mention that he does have financial ties to the coal industry as an investor in a coal company. Manchin has said his investments are in a blind trust. 
right off the bat, Democrats knew Manchin would be a tough sell and that their climate legislation couldn't happen without him. The campaign to win him over? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. The plan for passing this climate program into law is a little wonky. Instead of treating it as its own independent bill, Democrats have decided to add it into a much larger bill, which also contains a sweeping package of social welfare programs. So the Clean Electricity Performance Program has been wrapped into a much bigger bill that was initially set at $3.5 trillion. And the reason it was wrapped into this bill is because Democrats are aiming to pass really the bulk of President Biden's agenda through a process called reconciliation. Reconciliation. It's part of the annual budget process. And the benefit of passing legislation this way is that it only needs 50 votes in the Senate rather than a three-fifths majority in order to pass. And that's exactly the amount of votes Democrats have if they all stick together. 50 votes in the 50-50 Senate with Vice President Kamala Harris breaking a tie. But there's a catch. Anything the Democrats want to pass without any Republican votes has to happen now. This gets into really complicated Senate procedure, but basically reconciliation can only be used once per budget. That's basically once for every fiscal year bill. So this is their one shot. Got it. So what else is wrapped up into this reconciliation bill? The $3.5 trillion plan was really a cradle-to-grave welfare program with a climate policy tacked on. It would include an extension of expanded child tax credits, so the government giving people with children money, universal pre-kindergarten, paid family leave, vision care, hearing aid care, dental care for the elderly, expanded subsidies to buy insurance through the Affordable Care Act. It's a mammoth sweeping social safety net program that touches on every stage of a person's life. To pass this huge bill, the social programs and the climate plan, every single Democratic senator had to be on board with everything in it. If even one person was a holdout, it could derail the entire thing. So Democrats knew they had to make sure Joe Manchin was happy with everything in the bill, including the climate provisions. Joe Manchin is a very, very tricky 
negotiator when it comes to working with fellow Democrats. They have trouble pinning down exactly where he stands on any of these climate policies. I mean, Democrats have tried to bring Joe Manchin on board from the get-go. And you talk about a whole-of-government response to a crisis. This was a whole-of-government response to Joe Manchin. The White House set up a special program to focus on coal communities. It steered money into developing how to extract rare earths from coal waste, coal waste that is very prevalent in West Virginia. It has told him that the government will invest a lot of money in something called carbon capture and sequestration technology, which would allow the emissions from coal-fired power plants to be captured and buried underground. So in other words, paying lip service to this idea that you can still continue to have coal and gas-fired electricity plants. It's offered him every inducement it can. It has made his wife the chairperson of an Appalachian commission focused on business development, basically, in the area. Democrats included in its tax plan money that would specifically go to coal communities like West Virginia. It's thrown everything at him. And at some point, it's clear that the promises people are making to Joe Manchin that West Virginia will have a place in the clean energy future, these arguments are not working. He still doesn't want to support it, despite all that. Despite all of that, he just cannot support it. By late September, Manchin had made up his mind. So what happens is that Joe Manchin tells President Biden and tells the White House, essentially he pulls the plug and says he can't support it. He outright cannot vote for any bill that includes this program. And so it's over. Why? Why is he opposed to it? Every time I've spoken to him, he always has a slightly different rationale. For example, one day I said to him, you know, couldn't West Virginia emerge as a real winner if rare earths can be extracted from coal? Batteries, And I'm wondering what the possibilities are of getting battery factories in well, West Virginia, if... We're looking for all that. You know, we'd love to. We're natural for all that. But and he said, that. number one, other Democrats don't want it. They want to get their rare earths from poor countries in Africa. Commitment. You know, the environmental community doesn't want to go that direction. They want the end use, but they want some other poor country to, to mine the minerals for them to have what they want. And number two, it's going to take so long to go through the permitting process, we will have lost our place. And that's just one example of the type of opposition that Joe Manchin raises. I mean, it even got to the point where recently this month, some of the Democrats introduced a bill to provide wage replacement for five years for coal workers and other people who lose their jobs during a clean energy transition. And Joe Manchin said, nope, he didn't want that money either because it wouldn't give jobs to his people and his people wanted jobs, not just handouts. So if Joe Manchin is not going to support this, what does that mean for the clean electricity program? The clean electricity program is is defunct. It can't exist. And the Democrats know it. It's over. So Manchin is obviously going to take the blame for being the person who stood in the way of this action on climate. Has he said anything about how he feels about being in that position? You know, he never has spoken about how he feels about being tagged with that label. He has said that he thinks that climate change is real and that he thinks it has to be addressed, but he's never described how he feels about being that particular obstacle. 
the closest he came, but it wasn't specifically about climate, was it was recently revealed that he privately indicated he would be willing to leave the Democratic Party and become an independent because he thought he was an embarrassment to the party. That wasn't specifically over climate, but it certainly is applicable. The clean electricity program has been shelved. Meanwhile, progressive lawmakers are scrambling to come up with a new climate policy. They're discussing how to deploy that $150 billion in a way that would achieve the same emissions reductions as the clean electricity plan. But it's not easy because there's not another plan they can pull off the shelf to achieve something equivalent. And in the conversations I've had, I've heard a whole mix of ideas in this stew, everywhere from things like putting more money into helping people get induction stoves and electric heaters, to putting more money into transmission lines, to distribute renewable energy from far-flung places to localities that need that energy, to taking the $150 billion and handing that money out to states to perhaps do an end run around Congress and allow states to implement some of their own emissions reduction programs. The White House is also trying to see whether it could introduce new regulations or take other executive actions that would reduce emissions. Siobhan says everything from getting the Postal Service to buy electric vehicles to reinstating a ban on oil exports is on the table. Will any of those things have the same impact on emissions as the clean electricity plan? No, no. By far, the clean electricity plan was the single most significant element of the Democratic climate agenda. So what does this mean for Biden's climate ambitions? Biden's climate ambitions are going to have a very, very difficult time being realized. It's not that the clean electricity performance program is the only thing he can do, but it's the only single program that allowed him to reach his targets with the haste that the climate experts say is necessary. What will this all mean for the U.S.'s ability to combat climate change? It renders the U.S. really unable to deal in its entirety with the problem of reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And it puts the U.S. into a spot of focusing much more on what it has dubbed resilience, basically just learning to live with it. As of Monday afternoon, lawmakers were still negotiating the provisions in the spending bill. Its size has been whittled down substantially to somewhere around $2 trillion. It's not clear when the bill will go to a vote. That's all for today, Monday, October 25th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode from Andrew Astuccia and Timothy Pucco, with editing help from Devin Taylor. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.